It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. This is Access Atlanta. Every week, we share some of the best places to eat, play, and live out loud in the ATL. And, of course, we go behind the scenes and find the stories that show Atlanta is one of a kind. Welcome to Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. We've changed the way we do our podcast. That means we're recording it remotely from our homes, but we've also changed what we're talking about in the podcast, since we've always prided ourselves on providing guidance on things to do in and around Atlanta, and because most venues, theaters, and attractions are closed, we're going indoors, and in some cases where it's practical, outdoors to places where it's easy to practice social distancing. Two brothers from Peachtree City have dedicated two years of work and gathered the insight of a host of politicians, historians, journalists, and educators in a documentary film that celebrates Georgia's only president. Carterland will premiere at the Atlanta Film Festival, where films will be screened in a medley of COVID-safe formats, both in person, drive-in, and virtual. The movie is a hymn to Carter's considerable achievements, in particular the strides he made in energy policy, international relations, and conservation. Bo Emerson spoke with the filmmakers, and he's here to bring us that conversation. Welcome, Bo. Thank you, Shane. How are you doing? I'm great. And you? I'm uh, still here, still vertical. Okay. So, so Carterland, this is sort of uh, the latest in a string of documentaries we've had on Carter uh, in, in the last little bit. Yeah, it seems that um, uh, it, it's kind of time uh, for the the, the Carter. Uh, fan club to uh, to to check in and tell us why you know why we had it all wrong before. Right. <laughs> yeah. Last year we had like a, about his. Uh, um, it, it, there was a, a we had the rock and roll president. His uh, right. You know things to do with music, and there was another one earlier, but uh, uh, this one's a little bit different, right? Well, and it's um, uh, it's sort of unapologetically a uh, a celebration of of Jimmy Carter, and and he's typed as the most misunderstood president uh, in, in in the history of the country, uh, which may or may not be uh, accurate. For sure, um, they present a very convincing case. Yeah. So so these guys uh, they're from from lo- they're local guys, and uh, they're going to be showing this uh, at the Atlanta Film Festival, which. Yeah, that's just one of many things that you'll be able to see there too, right? Exactly. And uh, the the um, uh, as you say, the the film festival. Um, I think it might have been all uh, uh, virtual 
last year. I can't remember exactly, uh, but um, but they've come up with a way to uh, 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 to have both drive-in movies and to have actual people going into theaters, although uh, distanced from each other in a safe manner, and uh, and also have uh, movies online. And the the brothers uh, uh, Will and Jim tell me um, they are gonna be here, and that their movie is gonna be seen in all three of those. Format, so I guess you'll have a chance to see it in a variety of different ways. Oh, that's great! So uh, you spoke with them about this, and and uh, you know they told you about how this came together, right? Yeah, they are. Uh, uh, they're a real interesting uh, duo. Uh, uh, Pattis, Will Pattis, and Jim Pattis. Uh, they they grew up in uh, Peachtree City, and their parents still live here. Um, and uh, they uh, they've since uh, sort of migrated to the opposite ends of the continent, uh, one in uh, Portland, Oregon, and the other one in, in Maine. And uh, uh, but they they got a lot of help from their parents who, who uh, spent a lot of time, apparently, in the uh, in the Carter Library hunting down uh, old videotape, old uh, uh, negatives and and such. And they use they use those uh, those old images um in uh, in some very creative ways some of them sort of uh hearkening back to the film strips of our youth or at least of my youth uh, uh where where you know moving images uh didn't exist uh in such plentiful uh abundance back then and right. uh, and it gives you a real sense of the time as well so is there anything else we should know before we uh hear your conversation with them um, I think uh, I, I think our, our friend Bria is also going to include a couple of clips in this uh, uh, in this podcast. You'll get a chance to hear uh, some from uh, uh, President Carter himself, including um, a uh, an excerpt from the uh, so-called Malays speech. And there is a um, uh, when you hear it, you hear uh, you actually hear Carter being very um energetic in a way that he was not always um, as, as a public speaker. And so you see, uh, you see how his manner of delivering that speech was very convincing. But in retrospect, people looked at it and said that was a bad idea. At least I say that. And uh, lots of other folks did, too. Um, whereas uh, Will and Jim, they say this was a cry to the American public to please uh, seek a more rational uh, approach to energy use and at that time, they would rather have listened to Ronald Reagan say, you can have all the energy you want. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that's interesting. It, it, it takes us back to that time and, and gives us, you know, all these decades of, of hindsight to uh, sort of reevaluate it. And it sounds like that's what they've done. Yeah, they, they have. And, and uh, uh, they're, they're a very charming duo. I'm looking forward to you guys listening to We are talking to Will and Jim Pattis, and they are filmmakers, and their uh, movie Carterland uh, is going to make its premiere at the Atlanta Film Festival. Um, it's a documentary uh, about Jimmy Carter, and it kind of uh, seems to have a, a mission of righting some, some wrong, some wrong impressions of who uh, they refer to as perhaps the most misunderstood president uh, that we've had. So welcome, uh, Will and Jim. Hey, Bo. Thanks for, Thanks having, for having us. us. Uh, it's nice to have you. And uh, I, I might uh, point out that I'm talking to uh, two brothers on opposite sides of the continent. 
uh, tell me a little bit uh, about yourselves and where you are and how you ended up getting there. Yeah, so um, basically, Jim and I, and I'll start this with our film, how we got into film in general. So Jim and I had a great um, video teacher in high school. His name is Jeff Stewart. And um, we eventually took those film, uh, guess basically our film background, and we took this spur of the moment road trip, you could say, across the country um, from Atlanta to the Grand Canyon. And along the way, we stopped off at this incredible national park called Petrified Forest. And we are just blown away. Set, setting foot in that national park and really any is like setting foot on another planet. And we said to ourselves, man, um, it would be so cool to sh create videos on these places to share them with folks. And so thus our film career was kind of born ever since we've been making um, movies and film, film projects and generally speaking. And that film teacher was at uh, Fayette County School. Uh, is that correct? He was at the Heritage School in the, Union, Georgia. The Heritage School in Union, Georgia. And you guys are both from Fayette County That's uh, right. and, and now have traveled far and wide. So that uh, uh, that road trip uh, launched you on a career uh, shooting uh, video for the Park Service. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Park Service and the Forest Service, a lot of different public lands affiliated agencies and NGOs. And that's Jim I'm talking to right now. Just that's right. And uh, <laughs> the uh, and the Park Service brought you sort of face to face with Jimmy Carter. Talk about that. Yeah, I think um, with with our uh, work with the Park Service, you know, we kept seeing Jimmy Carter's name pop up. Um, and we kind of had this opinion of him that I feel like a lot of other people do, even within the state of Georgia, which was that He's a wonderful man, um, stood for a lot of great things, human rights and so forth, and has done incredible things with his ex-presidency, um, with his post-presidency, but um, was really a failed president. And um, a lot of the things we started to see, you know, with his work with Alaska lands and, and wild and scenic rivers and things, um, started to challenge that notion for us of him being a failed president. And it made us kind of want to explore uh, what it was, why he has this rap as a failed president um, and what went wrong with his presidency. And I think also kind of, um, you know, kind of uncover what, what his presidency really was about because I feel like that story has been told by a lot of people and we don't feel like it's necessarily the correct one. And one of the things you, uh, you start out with, you, uh, we, uh, we see uh, Jimmy Carter on the roof of the White House pointing out uh, solar panels that he's having installed there. Um, uh, it's, a, uh, it's just an emblem of the, the fact that he was keyed in to the concerns about uh, uh, global warming, about climate change, and uh, was ready to sort of push the country in a direction uh, that would have uh, at least ameliorated somewhat what was happening. Of course, uh, the, when Ronald Reagan got in office, he had his uh, Carter's uh, solar panels uh, taken off and, uh, and tucked into a museum somewhere. So uh, there you have, uh, in a nutshell, uh, what uh, uh, perhaps uh, one of the reasons it seems to me that you guys were uh, particularly trying to champion Carter's uh, Carter's accomplishment, especially that one right there. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the real things we wanted to explore with this film is um, the this guy, I mean, President Carter, he is a, basically the story is an unsung hero tragedy. He is this guy who was a visionary leader decades ahead of his time, trying to pull the whole country with him and met all sorts of resistance along the way. Um, and it, it's just a fascinating story. The, the film at its core, though, is really about moral leadership and the kind of values that we look for in a leader. Um, and it also serves as a vehicle to explore what we call the paradox, what Jonathan Alter in the film calls the paradox of American politics, which is you can only go so far with an entirely pure message. Um, and so this film explores that. And it's kind of a, it can be viewed as an indictment of the system that we have today, one that benefits those willing to get their hands dirty and play politics at, at the expense of the public. You know, uh, I, I was, I'm thinking about this while you're talking about it. Is it really, is that one of the things that we're looking for in a leader considering some of the leaders that we've elected recently? Yeah, I would say so. Um, definitely. I mean, we want, I think uh, what we're looking at with this film is I think Americans should really take a good hard look at the qualities we look for in an elected official and particularly a president and, and say, you know, do we want somebody who is going to um, make us feel warm and fuzzy about things and who's going to uh, say a lot of things, not really ask us of much, or do we want a leader who's going to push us to be better and a leader who's going to take real political risk um, and to do what he feels is the right thing? And Carter obviously really exemplifies that, um, which we kind of show in the film as somebody who's willing to really risk the, his political future to do what he feels like is, is right. And yet, I guess, of course, the answer is, we don't want a leader who is going to push us and, and require anything of us. Is that at least <laughs> the, uh, that was uh, when, when you, uh, you showed a clip from, uh, from Reagan's Morning in America campaign and, and uh, he said uh, he wasn't going to ask us to give up anything. He wanted us to be comfortable. Right. Yeah. Vice President Mondale, who we interview in the film, he really touches on that. And obviously, um, given what happened in 1984, I'm sure they had a special relationship. But I mean, really, the film um, we have, we did an interview with um, Tom Steyer in the film as well. And he really talks about this idea of Americans wanting the strong man. You know, we look for the strong man, the guy who acts tough and says, I'm going to, you know, take on everybody and do these things. Um, and we like this idea. And yet Carter was the opposite of that. And he and for those reasons, he's often viewed as a weak leader. But this film really explores what is weakness is having restraint really weak or, you know, uh, and I, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but it explores those ideas um, that maybe restraint sometimes is the stronger move, even though it's not going to war, which President Carter was the only president in our lifetime. And in, I think the last hundred years um, who didn't have a single soldier killed anywhere in the world in battle. And of course, when you talk about restraint, you're talking about his uh, willingness to tolerate having the uh, uh, captives uh, in, in Iran held for however many, 300, 400 days, I've forgotten. And, uh, the, uh, and the backlash, which was people saying, why didn't we just bomb them into the Stone Age uh, and get our, uh, get our captives back? 
Um, it turned out that that um, uh, the the that was that was uh, going to be bad luck for him in terms of uh, uh, in terms of his public image. Right. Uh, electorally, it was really uh, you know the the hostage situation over there was really it was deadly for him electorally, but. I mean, you know, he did. He showed that restraint. And obviously, uh, I think Americans, we, we have a history, particularly a recent history of, of getting in situations um, beyond our control in the Middle East. And I think President Carter really understood um, the dangers of that and also understood, you know, this wasn't a situation that was going to be solved through bombs. And that wasn't anything that he wanted wanted to do. I mean, if you look at before that, you know, what he does with the Panama Canal with um, Central America, this is somebody who I think kind of projected a soft power, uh, what Andrew Young calls the politics of respect. And he wanted um, to treat other countries um, with respect, particularly in places where there were a lot of, uh, we had had a history of CIA shenanigans in the Central America and things like that. And Carter comes in you know, in the aftermath of Vietnam and Watergate and all this stuff. And he wants to really clean that up and say, no, we're going to treat people fairly. I think one of the one of the great lines of, of the film in my mind and from his presidency was uh, when the signing of the Panama Canal treaties. And he, he says a line where he calls it uh, the kind of great nation that America wants to be. This treaty shows that uh, dealing with nations with fairness, not force. And I really, really loved that line. And it, I think, exemplifies his idea of foreign policy. Now, Jim, do you think if, if he was uh, any, any better at uh, the, the political uh, side of politics that he could have sold that um, Panama Canal deal better? I, I think you're absolutely right about that. I think, um, you know, that was one of the areas where he was, he was kind of lacking is, is that uh, he just didn't, he was a, he was a nuclear engineer. And, um, you know, that doesn't really lend well to uh, retail politics. <laughs> so, yeah, he had a tough time selling his vision um, of the future to Americans and also sort of uh, celebrating some of the really incredible successes of his presidency. But, Will, he also uh, uh, ran into uh, sort of a series of unfortunate events, including the, uh, the oil embargo and, and, and such that, uh, that made it even extra hard. Uh, for him to get that second term. Yeah, he did. I mean, toward, especially towards the last year of his presidency, it was basically Murphy's Law for President Carter. I mean, he ran into any problem. And really, you look at it with ballooning inflation, with the hostages, with the oil coming back to haunt him again towards the end of his presidency. People were really not feeling the successes. And he wasn't out there. I mean, presidents today, I think one of the less one of the takeaways from the Carter presidency is that you really have to celebrate your victories as president. You have to be your own cheerleader to a decent degree, which is, you know, it's kind of sad, but it is it is just the state of things. If we don't know how great your victories are, we can't feel them, especially with somebody like him who is so future oriented. He was making decisions that were going to benefit people 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, not things that were always felt immediately. And that was one of the big reasons why he didn't get reelected, we feel like. Well, you know, the other thing is uh, his election in the first place maybe was was a pretty uh, rare uh, occurrence, uh, a Democrat uh, uh, coming out of Georgia, Georgia 
is, a, is has been a pretty conservative place, and uh, the uh, and and Fayette County uh, is a pretty conservative county. I wonder how how hit that this movie is is seen in your in sort of in your hometown there. Yeah, um, it's a good question. I mean, you know, again, we well, we grew up with that this idea that that he was uh, a very nice man. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of um, um, Christianity runs deep in the state of Georgia and particularly south of Atlanta and, and in the more rural areas. And President Carter is, you know, an exemplary uh, Baptist, you might say. And um, so there's a lot of respect. But at the same time, there was really a lot of, uh, you know, like you said, he's a Democrat um, coming out of Georgia. He's uh, one of the things we're trying to do with this film is we really want Georgians to um, we feel like they should take a lot of pride in President Carter. Um, this is the state's, you know, only president, the Deep South's only president. Um, and he did these incredible things at it and had was such a visionary. So that's that's something we're trying to change. We're trying to change that perception. And, and it would be nice to see it even happen in our hometown. The, uh, now, you guys are uh, 28 and 29 years old, right? That's and right. The uh, but. Uh, you seem to have a, 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 a pretty deep interest in, in history. Uh, how did that happen? Yeah, so um, our parents are both educators. Our dad is a spent a career teaching at Fayette County Schools, um, Sandy Creek High School, and he was a history professor, and so world history. And so we got into politics and just the love of an interest in history through our parents, our mom is was a Montessori school teacher for a long time as well. And so we, we like learning um, kind of in unconventional ways as well, but they really got us into this. And our parents actually worked with us on this film, which was a really cool experience. While you know, Jim and I were kind of across the country, they were in Atlanta going to the Carter Center at, almost every day for you know, six months to a year, pulling files, pulling video, pulling photos, scanning them for us and sending them to us. Um, so we uh, were certainly very appreciative of their effort in this film and really just for inspiring us to do this. I was going to say, Will and I grew up on, on quotes from Socrates and Gandhi from our dad. So <laughs> we are definitely, um, we have always had a, a healthy interest in, in history for sure. Now, are your uh, uh, history-loving parents going to be in on your next uh, film? You know, uh, <laughs> we'll have to see. It depends on what, what we end up doing. But I think they're uh, living there in Fayette County in close proximity to the uh, Carter Presidential Library. Certainly helped with this last one. But I will say they're terrific researchers and, you know, um, their background definitely lends uh, well to that. Now, so... Uh, you guys are still working together, even though you're on opposite sides of the continent. Jim in Bangor, Maine, and Will in uh, Portland, Oregon. Did I get it right that time? Yep. Sure did. And uh, how do you do that? Yeah, it's fun. I mean, Jim and I, with our projects in general, we're lucky because we can kind of live anywhere because we're storytellers. And so we go where the story takes us, and that enables us to work um remotely i mean it's funny jim and i've been working remotely for a long time now um sometimes cool. we actually yeah it's fun and you know we are we are way ahead on this zoom curve uh, from a lot of folks so <laughs> now uh folks are kind of coming to our world but we love it we enjoy it now the the 
there was no uh, 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 actual physical altercation that drove uh, 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 Will across <laughs> the other side of the continent, right? Although I understand that sometimes it's a little rough and tumble working with a brother. Is that right? <laughs> Definitely. Um, you know, I think there, there are obviously positives and negatives about it. We like to think, or at least I like to think that there are more positives, you know, um, working with your brother, you have the ability to um, say things to your brother, uh, you know, as you're editing a film or whatever it is um, that you wouldn't necessarily be able to say to a coworker. Um, you might get reported to human resources or something <laughs> like that. So, um, there's, there's the ability to be candid and, and things like that, that I think helps. And at the end of the day, you know, um, Nothing, no disagreement about uh, what what scene is going to be included or anything like that is going to change the relationship we have with each other. So um, it works well. And, and obviously, we both have uh, a tremendous interest in, in film and in uh, particularly, you know, um, history and, and documentary filmmaking. And so, um, yeah, it, it, it just kind of works. Yeah, yeah, the physical the physical altercations are usually a good thing, you know. The old fisticuffs probably got us to do this uh, film project and many <laughs> others. So <laughs> there you go. Now, uh, I guess uh, we're we're going to have a pretty much a virtual uh, uh, film festival. Are you guys going to stay put where you are, or are you coming to Atlanta for any good reason? Or uh... yeah, actually, we're Atlanta. The way they're doing it this year, we're. I mean, we're. For starters, we're so thankful for the folks at the Atlanta Film Festival for choosing this film. Um, we feel so lucky to be a part of this festival that we've followed for so long. Um, and the way they're doing it this year is actually really exciting. There's going to be virtual screenings, but there's also going to be drive-in and in-person. Um, and the way they do it is unbelievable. I mean, they've kind of walked us through how they're making it safe for folks. And it's like, just like a sci-fi movie all the filters and stuff that they have like these yes. the way that they clean the places and make it safe um so we're we're thrilled and we will both be attending the festival in person and uh do you, you got a a place to bunk overnight <laughs> your couch right <laughs> i'm not offering here I'm, uh, maybe mom and dad might uh, might be available and just in case you're looking <laughs> if they uh, if they um, if they still will have us after all those uh, those uh, hours spent in the Carter Library right. playing those pneumatic tapes and everything, yeah. <laughs> well, the uh, I, I'm sure they're they're proud of what you've done, and uh, and I appreciate uh, you guys taking a minute with me. Tell me uh, do, uh, uh, a, a little uh, 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 a little thumbnail sketch of when people will have a chance to see uh, Carterland. And uh, the festival goes April 22nd through May 2nd. Does, uh, is your film gonna be all virtual or will it be part of the drive-in sections too? Um, so the film, uh, the film will be available for the, they're working on a, actually a really cool venue right now that we can't announce yet because the details aren't sealed, but there will be in-person um, options and you can always check out their website as well. Um, to check that sort of stuff out. But there will be in-person, drive-in, and virtual for our film. And I think the date will be the 24th, which is a Saturday for the uh -huh. premiere for Carterland. Um, mm -hmm. Don't quote me on that, but I, I think that's the date. And now, Carterland, how did you come up with that name? You know, that's a great question. Um, that 
of all the things with this film, that was probably one of the more difficult uh, decisions was trying to figure out um, what we were going to call the thing. And I think Carterland started as just a working title. We thought um, one of the original concepts around the film was this idea of um, what could have been. So, you know, President Carter in his um, crisis of confidence speech lays out um, two paths um, for the American people to take. And, you know, one he talks about is the path of self-interest and, and uh, individualism. And, and the other path is, is the path he wanted, which was, you know, more of a community spirit and um, coming together and, and sacrificing for the greater good. And uh, obviously, you know, the Americans chose, uh, Americans chose the other path. And uh, so part of the, that initial sort of concept around the film was that idea of, of what if, you know, this guy who puts solar panels on the White House and, and has, uh, understands climate change and wants to, is talking about all the things that we're talking about today, what if he had gotten that second term? So that was like that idea of Carter land, what, what could have been. Sort of like a, a alternative universe world that uh, where we would have embraced these ideas, right? Right, exactly. uh, like historical fiction, which our our dad calls fiction the F word. Sort <laughs> 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 of like the man in the high tower, but with a little sunnier uh, uh, outcome, right? Yes, yes, I think yeah. so. Yeah, exactly. No pun intended for the sun there. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, I appreciate you both uh, taking time to chat, Will. And Jim Pattis, uh, uh, you guys take care of yourselves and hope to see you when you're uh, here in Atlanta. There's nothing normal about our new normal, but AJC.com is the same trusted source you've always had. And we have just as much great content, if not more. That's why each week I'll highlight my personal picks for the best things to do, see, and experience. And the stories are easy to find on AJC.com. Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms named playwright, author, and poet Pearl Clegg the city of Atlanta's first poet laureate on March 31st. The mayor made the announcement during her State of the City address, calling Clegg's appointment to the post as the city's top ambassador for poetry and the arts a commitment to the arts and investment in our creative community. Get the rest of the story on AJC.com. The High Museum of Art has scheduled exhibits for 2021 that pay tribute to female creators and outsider artists. The museum will place side-by-side -side the work of two masters, Alexander Calder and Pablo Picasso. It will offer comprehensive retrospectives of two Georgia artists. This year's programming will also showcase the High's deep photography collection, including its 25-year project of commissioning photographers to capture images of the South. You'll find the details on those shows in Bo Emerson's story on AJC.com. Alan Jackson's first studio album in six years is a little harder country, he says, than his past work. Where Have You Gone, due May 14th, is a 21-song collection that circles themes of sorrow, love, the South, cheating, drinking, children aging, and parents dying. Melissa Ruggieri has the details on the Atlanta music scene blog at AJC.com. The AJC's dining team continues to explore some of the best in takeout with the Atlanta Orders In feature, which you'll find in print in the living section most weekdays. One of the places they visited recently is Taffer's Tavern, created by John Taffer, star of the reality show Bar Rescue. In November, the first Taffer's opened on Main Street in Alpharetta. At least three more locations are planned for Georgia, with additional units planned for Washington, Boston, Las Vegas, and the Florida Panhandle. 
The menu features cocktails, of course, along with what Taffer describes as elevated tavern food and an inviting atmosphere that stresses hospitality. Read more about Taffer's Tavern and catch up on all the places the team has visited on the Atlanta Restaurant Scene blog at AJC.com. To get the AJC delivered or to subscribe to the e-paper, go to AJC.com slash subscribe. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith. Podcast edited by Bria Felicien. Music by Bo Emerson and Billy Guen. And I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta. Thank you.